Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. We win one tomorrow. That's called a winning streak. It has happened before. Bill's Mafia. What is up? How are you all doing on this wonderful Wednesday? Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain. I'm your host, Vince Taylor. You are listening to me on the Built in Buffalo podcast network where we have great new podcasts for your ears every single day of the week. But first, I know you want to talk about the gigantic win, the biggest game of the year, the best win of the year, and that includes the Chiefs game. Our boys showed up. Our boys showed up. It was not the story this year. We've been beaten up on the easy ones, mostly, losing to some questionable teams in there as well. But every single tough opponent we've had, minus the Chiefs, has given us a loss. This was the most important game of the year. It put us in first place in the AFC East. It gives us our own destiny towards the playoffs. We win two very easily winnable games against the Atlanta Falcons and the New Jersey Jets, and we are AFC championships. We are an AFC champion. And we have no less than the fourth seed. Now, I think there's a couple scenarios where we can maybe make it up to a third seed. Um, And it's also possible that uh, Tennessee uh, can drop down out of the two spot. But we need Cincinnati to lose to KC, I believe, or to Cleveland. And that can move us up to a three seed. Um, So I think, and I haven't done all the matchups, but what I'm looking at right now is the two most likely matchups for us are the Indianapolis Colts, which I do not like, 
And I think if we can somehow get to that three seed, if Cincinnati loses one of their two remaining games, we can potentially face New England again in the playoffs at home. And I love that. I love that so much. I want that. I want to exercise these demons one more time. Uh, Last year, sweeping the division didn't really do it. They kind of bounce back from a dead a little bit. They are a good team. I didn't think they were this good. I thought they were somewhere slightly better than a 500 team, so they're slightly above my expectations because Cam was so bad last year. They had such a low bar to clear to get better, and by releasing Cam and starting Matt Jones, they did just that. And speaking of Mac Jones, I felt like he was not good yesterday. There's been all the media praise. All the media praise all year long about how good he is because he's winning games based on the defense. And then even when he beat us, he did it on the run game. That was pretty weak. I don't know that that's what you want to take credit for as a quarterback getting wins on your run game, but whatever. I'm not a New England fan. But it felt like they were giving him the sucker passes. Even Tremaine Edmonds, by the way, who had a pretty decent game, uh, not known for his big hits, but he had a couple big hits. What they were doing, it looked like to me, was dropping everybody back, giving them an open receiver with nobody five yards around, and then as soon as the receiver crashes, catches the ball, they crash on them and they make the play. And those are sucker plays. You know, let's bait him into throwing it there instead of giving him, having him take a shot down the field, which he doesn't do anyway. He tried to make a couple of longer passes yesterday and they didn't look good of course he had that one really ugly drop by Nikhil Harry Uh, Nikhil Harry is not not a good uh, NFL wide receiver I I can't believe that that is a starting wide receiver on the New England Patriots and I know that they've had some COVID problems but that that was just weird Uh, but Mac Jones stat line for the day 14 of 32, 145 yards, two picks. Of course, we got a tip ball interception. Frustrating that a lot of those have dropped to the ground on this this year, but uh, Micah Hyde came up with one, and uh, it's nice to see. Uh, So Mac Jones, (laughs) not very good. Uh, Damian Harris, of course, 18 carries, 103 yards, three touchdowns. He had a good game, and we can talk about the Bills' rush defense. I don't really care about that. I don't care because... When we weren't playing in the elements, the story of this game was Josh Allen and the offense against that Patriots defense. So if they want to keep running the ball like they did and and keep giving Mac Jones to take the shorter passes like they did, that's a recipe for success. And they ate up a lot of clock. They ate up a lot of clock to try to catch back up to us. And in this day and age, you got to be able to pass the ball. You got to be able to put the ball downfield and score points when you need to. And Mac has not shown the ability to do that. He's a dink and dunk system type quarterback. And as long as he's there, and it's not that he can't improve. Sure, he can. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger was a pretty good quarterback in his career. And he started off his game in his career kind of being babied. So it's it's absolutely possible that he does. But I don't think he showed you that in college. Uh, Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, I guess, were the two leading receivers for the Patriots. Uh, Myers, six receptions, 59 yards. Kendrick Bourne, two for 33. You know, not comparing any of those offensive players on New England to the Bills. The Bills are the Bills are an elite offense. And I think if you look at Josh Allen's stats from this year versus next year, if you just think about it, it doesn't really feel like it. It doesn't feel like this team is as good as they should be. And they, and they But statistically, they are. We just haven't had the real big dominant stretches. We haven't had, you know, after the 
Arizona game last year where Josh just carried this team to the playoffs basically on his back every week. We haven't had that, but the stats are there. They're just kind of mixed in and sprinkled in a little bit, and they're kind of hidden. But this offense has been better, or at least as good. I don't want to say better than last year. Uh, Josh Allen is still our reading rusher, 12 carries, 64 yards. Singletary, look at the stat line, 12 carries, 39 yards. I think that's misleading. I think he ran hard, and I think he ran tough, and he's better than that stat line. Uh, Moss, three carries, 12 yards. I hate it. Every time he takes a snap, I am frustrated because it's, it should be Singletary or Brita. But Motor had a great game. But the story of this game, because we were out, Gabe Davis, and we were out Cole Beasley, COVID protocols. The story of this game is, yes, Josh Allen. But going into this game, I was super worried because I felt like those were two very important offensive pieces in the biggest game of the year. And this this was probably the season. It didn't have to be. There's still a path to a wildcard game. But most likely, if we lost this game, it's going to be really difficult for us to get in. I think we'd need some help. Isaiah McKenzie, 11 catches. Big catch after big catch. He had one. He dropped even in the first quarter because he was that might be his only target he didn't catch. Uh, laying out for it. 11 receptions, 125 yards, and a touchdown. He was Cole Beasley today. And I have not wanted to say this for a little while because I think it's a controversial and it's a a lightning rod take, but I don't think Cole Beasley's back next year. And I don't think it has... Sure, I think the COVID drama is a contributing factor. But now we're looking at coming back next year with our wide receiver crew. Diggs, Sanders is gone. I don't think he's coming back. Beasley, most likely gone. We're thinking about, is Gabe Davis number two? I I was on board with that last year. I wanted to give him a shot, but I wanted to bring in a veteran to back him up just in case things didn't go well. And what they did was brought in too high of a caliber of a starting wide receiver where he didn't get that shot, but he's still contributing when he gets a chance. So next year, we might not have very many new faces, at least getting consistent reps on the offense. It, it could be McKenzie in this slot. It can be Gabe Davis number two and Diggs at number one. That's a lot to say after one game, but McKenzie has value. He's good in the jet sweeps. He can be on the, on the field more. And maybe you get him out of the kick return role a little bit. I think he saved money by getting rid of Beasley too. So it's a, it's a worthwhile conversation. It's not about his COVID idiotic takes because let's face it, Cole is an idiot. Cole is an idiot. He's a great football player, and I can start rooting for him, and it doesn't have to be one or the other, but Cole is an idiot. But I think some of that is a contributing factor, the drama and the age and the injuries, and you know, Cole's still a good player. He's a tough player. We know we played last year on a fractured leg. You know, He's played this year on, on sore ribs or broken ribs or whatever it is. But if he's not around, he's not around. If he's not helping, he's not helping. And he's not the same player that he was last year. And I think that makes him a little bit expendable when you see guys like McKenzie and, and Gabe Davis getting the extra opportunity and running with it. So that's encouraging to me. Uh, it's a little bit scary when you kind of base this things on, on a short or small sample size, but I don't think McKenzie's a small sample size as we might believe. He is not the same guy. I've said it many times on this podcast. He's not the same guy that we grabbed off the waivers from Denver. He has grown as a receiver. He's never going to be number one. This 11 and 125 is not going to be the norm for him, but he has a lot of value and he can do it from the slot. So 
I'm I'm very excited about that, and it makes some of the other needs on this team, theoretically, I guess, uh, bump them up, right? So we don't have to worry about the wide receiver. That's a draft pick that we can use on a defensive tackle or a backup cornerback or a offensive guard or a center. But um, speaking of the offensive line, I have been so down on him as many a Bills Mafia has all year long. We've been just so upset with the offensive line play. And last year they were better in pass protection, and they were still terrible in the run game. And that's kind of still the case, but it's been like extra bad this year. And and today, or yesterday, against the Patriots, they were pretty good. They were passable. I don't want to say that they were wonderful against they're wonderful in, in run blocking, but Josh had time to do his thing. And no, they don't have to be perfect. No team's perfect. Tampa Bay offensive line's not perfect. Dallas offensive line's not perfect. Cleveland offensive line's not perfect. They were pretty good yesterday. They were, I, I want to say, I want to say good. So um, even after losing Bodker, <laughs> I was starting to get a little itchy when I noticed that he went out. And then they said almost immediately it was an Achilles and I thought he might be out for the year. I got a little itchy, but you know, you didn't miss a beat. And that, I guess, is something. I don't know that I want to keep counting on this level of play from this group going forward week after week. We still have to invest in that in the offseason. And if we lose in the playoffs, that's probably going to be the biggest reason why is the offensive line. But for right now, we're talking about right now. We're talking about the Patriots game. We're talking about our joyful, wonderful victory over the New England Patriots to give us the first place lead in the AFC, 33-21. to 21. It was a two-score game there at the end, so that's what we want to talk about. I liked the game plan offensively. I think I said on uh, Code of Conduct last week that I wanted to see Josh maybe not go big play, big play, big, big, big play, big play, I don't even care if he dinks and dunks. He takes what's there, which is kind of what he did in the coming out party when he started getting good at the second half of 2019. And we saw more of that yesterday. He wasn't forcing everything. He didn't have to. He had McKenzie wide open a lot of times, but he was willing to dink and dunk and take what was given to him down the field. And you saw us. We scored 33 points. We left plenty of, we left at probably at least eight points on the field. And... I'm happy with that. So I want to give Brian Dable some credit here as well, just like I did for the offensive line. I've not been happy with Dable all year long. And, you know, today I, I like the good the gameplay. You know, he gets a little bit of credit. He didn't stick to the run. He didn't keep forcing it to Singletary, even when Singletary was successful. End up with just 12 carries on the day. That's about the right number. And, you know, feed him the, feed him the ball situationally, but don't, don't commit to it. Like, you know, we've maybe seen him do earlier this year. So I, I was very happy. Um, by the way, talking about Motor Singletary, watch this game with your eyeballs. Don't pay attention to the box score. Motor is the much better running back. And Motor's never going to be a 1,200-yard guy, right? He's just, that's not who he is. And I love Motor, but I don't think he's a one-back. He's a one-back on this team. But he's a supplementary, complementary back and he's good at what he does. That first drive was pretty much all Singletary. Uh, he ended up with five catches for 39 yards. And he did score that touchdown. He ran tough. 
He got goal line carries and he did well with them. For being as little as he is, I keep saying it, and you're probably tired of hearing me say this, but he does not get enough credit for as hard as he runs. And I love you, Motor, and I hope you get a second contract here. I don't think it's going to happen, but I hope that it does. Uh, Dawson Knox, earlier in the game, a couple of weird routes he ran. I think there was one on the first drive of the game. He basically cut off McKenzie, like the ball could have went to either McKenzie or Knox. And there was, there had to be some miscommunication there. I don't think that was by design. And, you know, later on you saw Knox run into Emmanuel Sanders and basically kill that play, but kind of weird start for Dawson Knox. Now he had a touchdown called back, end up getting another one later in the game on a flip play. And if those plays had been made by Patrick Mahomes, that'd be a highlight reel all week long. But because it's Josh Allen, I think you're not going to see it as much. But Dawson Knox, another good game. Just kind of some weird things happening there running his his routes. Uh, I want to talk about Josh Allen throwing the ball away because we don't see that enough. Part of the reason that I love Josh is because he does not want to give up on any play. He wants to stretch it out as long as he can, and then he'll throw it away. But I think sometimes he needs to recognize when it is smarter to throw it away just a little bit earlier because we've seen him take sacks. We've seen him throw interceptions. We've seen him run 20 yards backfield and hold the ball out there like a loaf of bread. Things that worry me, but today, Josh threw the new one to throw the ball away smartly. And that's what growth looks like. Uh, I still think there's a part of me or a part of him, I should say, that believes that he's going to make those plays. I don't think that's going to ever completely leave him. I think there are going to be times when he does it again. And I, as much as I love Josh, he's going to be successful in some of those situations. He's also going to make us frustrated in some of those situations. Uh, but today, at least, he was great in, in knowing when to get rid of the ball. Uh, Sean McDermott. Very aggressive today, and I loved it. After we've not seen him do that consistently all year, you know, we went for it on fourth and two, basically from the three-yard line, and didn't score, but made New England try to drive the whole length of the field back. So, I mean, there's another few points we left on the board, too. Sort of three points against this good defense, I might add. But uh, I loved it. I don't mind it when you, I don't mind it when you go for it and you don't get it. I mind it when you don't try when you have Josh Allen and you know, we did see them get stopped, but then we saw Josh Allen turn around with that fake handoff end around kind of bootleg play. Uh, we saw him hurdle another linebacker. Now it wasn't a linebacker. I believe is a safety uh, Devin McCourty, but uh, I think we need to start handing out t-shirts to guys that get hurdled by Josh Allen because why not? Because fun <laughs> Del Reed. I know you're listening he doesn't listen. He doesn't know I am. But if he were, I'm sure he'd make t-shirts for it. A few other things that I wanted to mention was our rush defense was pretty good. Now, I know that we gave up over 100 yards to Damian Harris. I think he got a lot of those on the outside. Um, we were not protecting the outside, and it looks like that's where we gave up the runs, but we didn't give up very much up the middle. Uh, I'm very happy with that. Uh, we did not punt the ball. Matt Hawk was eating a plate of nachos on the sideline, probably playing on his phone the entire game, I'm sure. That's not true. I'm being silly. But he could have been, and nobody would have even known because he wasn't needed. He didn't punt, and that's the first time a Bill Belichick defense did not force a punt. And thank you again, Josh Allen, for 
adding another first to Bill Belichick. Uh, I believe you're also the first one to have him smash his phone on the sideline. We saw Matthew Judon trip Josh Allen after play. Stupid, stupid cheap shot. It's just that is the Patriot way. I would be upset. And I, by the way, I, I you guys know I have plenty of criticism for our players, even when they're acting like knuckleheads. But if that Matthew Judon were on our team doing that shit, I would be upset about that. There's no place for that. What if, what if he cost Josh Allen this season? Would he be proud of that? Yeah, you, you, you took him out for the game, which is what he really wants to do. But when you do shit like that, you can hurt somebody, especially Josh, who'd already had a sprained ankle. Would, do you feel good about that? Or Mac Jones grabbing a guy and rolling over on him? Like, what are you doing? I feel like that has to be coached, right? That's part of the Patriot way. That's It's not, it's not a coincidence that they have guys like Gronk elbowing Trey. It's not a, it's not a coincidence. Like, there's too much of that it's not like the bills have been really rivals for the Patriots for the last 20 years. I mean, we are now, but I just feel like that's just dirty and it just feels like very Belichicky. and you hear about them going through trash and looking for playbooks and you hear about them like jamming the headsets and putting the Patriots broadcasts in there. And it just, it feels very Patriotish and it's easy to hate this team so much. Uh, and they're always going to be remembered for the Super Bowls and Tom Brady. But, you know, those of us that know, I, I don't think they needed to cheat to get there, but they did it just because they wanted to do it and they're dirty. So I hate the Patriots. I will always hate the Patriots. I will always hate Bill Pelichick. And I don't understand that people are warming up to Tom Brady. No, Tom Brady is a whiny little bitch. He got away with a lot of stuff when he played New England. They got all the calls for 20 years, and I'm I'm holding the flame for everybody that says that they, they, they like Tom Brady now. No, it's not acceptable to me. I'm not on board with it. Um, let's see. We had uh, we had a Diggs TD. We had, you know, Diggs had a quiet day, quietly, but he still puts up decent numbers, and that's not bad for him on a quiet day. You know, uh, I, I believe he, he did. He have a, touch, a drop touchdown. I think maybe he did, but he still ended up with uh, seven catches, eighty-five yards, and a touchdown. That's not bad for a quiet day. It's not bad. He is basically playing second fiddle today to uh, Isaiah McKenzie, and that's okay. We're all right with that. Um, we talked about the Josh Allen shovel passes. I like the flex pose that he did. You know, but again. Or is that taunting line? Because is that taunting? Yeah, I don't know. Do we want to take all the emotion out of the game? I don't know. But I like the flex pose. Well, what I didn't like, and this is controversial take, and I, I'm sure that some of you will disagree with me because I just got done telling you how much I hate the Patriots. But when Stephon Diggs catches that touchdown pass and he goes over there and he tells them all to, to basically shut the fuck up, I don't care for that. I, I, I agree with the sentiment. I'm glad that he hates the Patriots. But could he have done it anything differently? Could he have smiled and waved? Could he have said, did you guys see that? Did you like that? Cursing like that. And, you know, there. Yeah, I don't know. There's kids at the game. And you know, I, I don't, I I'm, I'm, guess I'm not very comfortable with the villain tag. And uh, I don't know. It's I, There are plenty of people who disagree with me. And it's a touchdown and it's a big moment. And I get it. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if, I, if I'm okay with using obscenities at fans. But feel free to tell me how silly I am. Um, I think that's it. That's all the notes that I had. Very happy with this game. Obviously, you know, thank you, Mr. Obvious, but 
We still have some work to do ahead of us. We know that this team is playing better. I kind of felt like in the second half of the Tampa Bay game that might have woken us up a little bit. They talked about it on the broadcast and yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, sometimes we like to say things that are sexy and sensational, like, well, this team is really woken up. Did I feel that against the Panthers? Maybe a little, but I don't know. We still have some work to do. I'm, I think that if we beat the Falcons, I'm not worried about the Jets whatsoever. I know they squeaked out a win, but if the Falcons scare me a little bit because of less about the Falcons and more about us, it's been the story all year long. If you ask me, it's been less about our opposition and more about our internal Buffalo Bills getting our shit together and executing and having a good offensive line and if when I put money on the Bills losing to the Falcons, no, I still like our chances. I still think we're going to close out the season 2-0 and and basically finish the year as AFC champs. But there's a little bit of part of me that says the Falcons game is, it, it could happen. And I'm not calling for it. Please don't hear that. I'm just, I'm just saying this game still means something and we have shown that we can disappear. But that is it. That's all my notes on this game. I... Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I love getting emotional about football and uh, my neighbors are gone. Neighbors on one side moved out. My neighbors on the other side were out of town for the weekend. So uh, nobody was wondering what was happening in my house. But I have this week, real or silly with Justin Goddard, as I do every week. I love talking to Justin and I'm very thankful that he gives me time out of his week every week uh, because he's he's quite frankly better at this than I am as all my guests are really. And in the mafia hot seat, I have justice back again. Uh, one of the most lovable people in the mafia. Like how do you not like justice? Uh, he's just, he's so positive and funny and personable. And, uh, he's just, I'm very happy to be associated with him and, uh, justice. I know you're listening. I love you. And then last but not least, Nate from Circle in the Wagons, who is one of my favorite podcasts as well. I know I have a lot of favorites, but I, I, I mean it about Nate. He was one of the first podcasts that I discovered when I discovered Bill's podcasting. And he is just such a, a likable, easy, kind of fun-loving guy, he feels like. Never met him in person, but I'd love to. And I love his giggle on this podcast. So if you've not had a chance to listen to Circle of the Wagons yet, please make sure you do that after you listen to me. Uh, Nate always does a wonderful job, but without further ado, here is Real or Silly. Oh, yes, one more thing before I get you off to Real or Silly. I'm doing goofy 80s pop transitions today, so I love the 80s and I love goofy pop. I don't really care if you do or not. So without further ado, Real or Silly. Hello, I have a fun game for y'all today. It's called, Is It Real or Is It Silly? Silly. Adjective. Laughable or amusing through foolishness or a foolish appearance. Is that for real? Is it real? Silliness. Okay, is it real? Wow. Double wow! Silliness is defined as engaging in a ludicrous folly. All right, Bills Mafia, you know what time it is. It is time for Real or Silly. 
with Justin Goddard, who comes back every single week because he is a trooper and he is here today under some circumstances where he's not at his best, but he's here because that's who he is. Justin, what's going on? Yeah, I'm uh, like you said, I'm I'm a little out of it today. I I got the uh, booster last night and definitely feeling it more than I thought I would. But uh, we did the segment last week and, and you told the told the people I wouldn't miss another segment for the rest of the year. So had to make good on that promise. So here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we all appreciate it. And uh, first of all, I'm very glad that you made the decision to get the booster because it is important. It is public health. And, you know, I want everyone to be safe in my household. And so thank you very much for getting the jab, but I won't, I don't want to keep you. So, Uh, I'm going to try to blow through this real quick because I know you want to get back to bed. So um, let's go ahead and get started. Justin, this first question was one that you wrote. And I think it's a good question because I, I think the answer is pretty obvious, but I think there's wiggle room there for some folks. So question one, Justin Goddard, Zach Moss has made his last appearance with the bills. Is that real or silly? Man, you you make it sound like it's such a such an obvious answer, and I I don't know if I'm lining up on the same side as you. I I think that one's silly. A bunch of silliness. Um, <clears throat> all the all the outside optics would tell me that that was the case. Um, but what kind of keeps me hanging on here is we've seen how much Brandon Bean loves his draft picks, right? And still being on a rookie deal and, and all those other factors that go into it. I, I just find it really hard to believe that um, coming into training camp next year and, and moving through an off season that we don't see Zach Moss get at least one more chance. Okay. I, 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 that's why I wanted to give a little wiggle room because I feel like right now after this past week, we've seen Singletary kind of take the number one, RB role firmly, not one A, not one B. He's RB one. He got all the carries. I think Brita got one, but we've seen him have some fumbling issues. He's got lucky and hasn't been losing them. We have seen, you know, I think Brita still has a place, even if it wasn't in this past game, I I still feel like he's going to get his chances to get carries. But if either one of those guys falter the way that this year has been going, McDermott's not been shy about benching folks, Burn Butler, uh, Isaiah McKenzie. Like he's got a quick trigger when it comes to that for right now. So it's, I think there's a little bit of room for air there, but when he's played, he's not giving us anything. He's not a good warner. We keep hearing about business decisions. Is he really bulldozing people? No, he's not. It, uh, to me, he's not even that much more physical. And I think Motor's more physical than he is. So, you know, you can make the argument that he's a better pass protector. Okay, fine. But Motor's no slouch there either. But I think unless I'm saying, no, I'm saying he doesn't get another shot unless motor comes up with a big uh, fumbling problem or somebody gets hurt. But I I think he's done. I think he's done with the bills. Yeah. And and I'm kind of glad you brought up the physicality of Singletary. I know he's a player that you and I have both been pretty fond of uh, outside of the fumbling issues. And I do think he's a more physical runner than Moss. Um, 
Moss kind of, to me, looks like he seeks out contact and then shies away from it at the same time, um, where he's kind of looking for the contact and then he's taking the hit versus delivering the hit. And I just, I don't see that being a, a recipe for success in the NFL. He doesn't run himself into the open field. You know, he's always trying to, to run through a would-be tackler. Um, so the, the vision's just really not there for me for Moss. Um, and I would like to, I don't know, I have mixed feelings. I would really like t- to see him, you know, be the player that I thought we were we were drafting because I was very excited about him. Um, but at the same time, I think this is kind of a situation where uh, you don't want to double down on a mistake and you kind of have to move on there. It could be that it could be game plan specific, I suppose. Like he, maybe they just thought that they wanted to give Singletary the, the, the reins this week to see what he has. Maybe they just felt like he was a better matchup for the Carolina front, but I, I don't know. I'm with you. I, I don't think he gives us anything. I used to think he was just an average level running back. And right now I don't even know that I want to say that he's average. I think he frustrates me so much that I think he's below average running back. Fine. I'd agree with that. On to question number two. Question two. Last time we played the Patriots, we saw that run game in the snowstorm from the New England Patriots. I think they ran the ball 40 times. Matt Corkle Jones passed three times on this defense. Uh, Mostly, I think that was probably because of the game plan because he passed a little bit more against the Colts. But Justin Goddard, wheel or silly, McCorkle is going to get to 200 yards passing against this Trey Whiteless defense. Um, so I think this one is also silly. A bunch of silliness. Um, this isn't really a knock on Mac Jones at all. Um, I just think there's there's so much being said this week that, you know, it was kind of like the first go around with the Patriots that, oh, Mac Jones is a young quarterback and uh, McDermott feasts on young quarterbacks and whatnot. And I just, I don't think that it's really required that they throw a ton because the weather is better this time. Um, when they showed that they could, be effective running the game in the bad weather. Um, So to me, it's kind of, you know, we were stacking the box. We had 10 defenders up around the line of scrimmage for most of the last game, and they were still able to get it done on the ground. I do think there's an uptick in throwing from Mac Jones. I mean, three was a, a pretty low bar, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes through this whole game with, you know, 15, 15 attempts for like, I don't know, something like 150 yards, and they they still cruise on that defense and, and the run game. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they'll try to throw more. I just – I don't know if they'll be as successful. So I, I don't know. I, McCorkle Jones were making a big, big deal out of him in his rookie year. Like, I guess not us as Bills fans, but like nationally, I guess. And – if you watch him play, is there anything that he does that's very elite or eye-catching or what does he do well? And the answer is, 
I don't really know because he's doing the same thing that maybe a guy like Tua was doing. I'm just going to take everything short. And yes, he will try to sneak uh, some moderate intermediate and long attempts in there, but I don't know. I don't think he scares me. I think they're going to try to have, they're going to try, try to keep up with the bills offense and that's going to make him throw a bit more. I just don't know. That he's going to have a lot of success because I'm not a McCorkle Jones truther. Yeah. I, I think he's looked good to me in times this year. And what, what's impressed me most about him is, is his poise. Um, who did they just get done playing? Indy. Uh, yeah, and and down the stretch there, he just he was putting them in positions to to win that game and doing it in ways that I didn't really think you know we were going to see from Mac Jones. Um, so I I I'm not like in this category of people being like, well, look at his numbers next to Brady's rookie year numbers. You know, I'm not saying he's the next coming of Tom Brady. But for my money, <clears throat> I expected him to be the worst quarterback of this rookie quarterback class, and I I think at this point he's been the best. So, okay, moving on. Question number three. Question three. We do have the Patriots this weekend. By the time this segment airs, we will have been done with the New England game. And we'll know where we stand. But if the Bills beat the Patriots, we control our own destiny. We have two games left against the Falcons and the Jets, and we would clinch the AFC East. Justin Goddard, the Bills are going to win the AFC East. Is that real or silly? Uh, <clears throat> I think that's real. Real. And I've been back and forth a lot on this recently. And... It's not like going out and beating up on the Panthers really changed how I felt after having two consecutive losses. Um, so to me, this is more about New England kind of fumbling the opportunity to really seal it off and losing that game to Indianapolis um, than anything the Bills have done. Um, I think that if we're able to take down the Patriots – you know, the, the remaining schedule are, are two very winnable games. Um, teams that really aren't playing for anything at this juncture, in particular, you know, the Jets the last week of the season. Um, so I think kind of New England letting the ball be back in, in the Bills' court uh, was, was the mistake more than, you know, anything the Bills in particular did to step up. Yeah. 100% agree. To me, this season has been less about the New Englands and less about the Pittsburghs and less about even the Kansas Cities. It's more about the Bills and the self-evaluation and us getting our act together. That's what I think. Are we fatally flawed? Yeah, our offensive line's pretty crap. And that's hard to get around. But we've done ourselves a lot of disturbance for as bad as our offensive line has been. it's really bad. We still have moved the ball pretty well and we still have not been able to score in the red zone. But uh, I, I think I have to agree with you. Um, it's hard to feel 100% confident given what I've just said, losing to Jacksonville. But I mean, I, I guess if you're forcing me to put money on that, 
I'd say, yeah, I, I have just a feeling. Yeah. And we've kind of been on this roller coaster ride for a while of like, I think we talked about it last week, you know, the, the Bills should be back in the AFC championship game. The Bills should win the AFC. Then it was like, well, we might not win the AFC, but we should win the division. And then, well, if we make the playoffs as a wild card, we could we could really make some noise. And now we're kind of bumping back around to, you know, maybe we can win the division. Um, personally, I, I want to see us win the division, um, mostly because I'm concerned with, with how all that wild card seating is going to work out with, with our conference losses. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about the only reason I really want to win the division. You know, when we look at a game like the, the first go around with new England, I'd almost rather have to go on the road for a couple of games in the playoffs. And it's such a disservice to bills fans and, you know, you, you want that home field advantage. And I think the crowd offers a great advantage there, but if you get some of that December cold weather with the, with the wind gusts that we saw, like against the Patriots, I think that actually works against us. So it's kind of where I stand on that. Oddly enough, I'm with you. I don't want to be messed up in that seven seed because I think there's a chance we could miss it all together. But winning the division, as much as I want that, because I feel like that was part of our goal for beginning of the year, I think there's a pretty good chance we could match up with a wild card team like Indianapolis. I don't want that. I think if we were actually ended up getting like the the six or the seven seed, there's a better chance of us matching up with a team like Tennessee. <laughs> I do feel much better about that. I don't know. It's still, there's three games left to play, but I feel pretty confident in saying that Tennessee is going to make their way to that division because pretty much, I think they just have to win one more game and they can clinch. Uh, it's essentially a two game lead for them over the Colts because they beat them twice already with three games left. So I don't know. I mean, it's still a little bit too early. There's still too many scenarios to play out that I, I've even thought through or even make sense for a podcast, but uh, to talk about, but it's some of the things that I'm watching right now. Yeah, that's, I mean, my, my overwhelming thing is, is, Yes, you mentioned the uh, possibly getting like the Titans in the playoffs. I think the Titans are kind of pretenders the whole year, even with Derrick Henry and without him. I think that's that would be a great matchup. Um, it just kind of seems to me like one through seven in in the AFC are about equal caliber teams. Um, just each team doing something a little bit different and a little bit better or worse than another team. But I think everybody's kind of in that like nine and five, eight and six range for a reason. I think there's not really a clear uh, class of the conference team to me. You know, it's not like we have one team that hasn't lost a game and then you go down to the wild card, you know, having eight losses. I think, it's very jumbled up in this AFC playoff picture for a reason. And it's hard to even kind of look at what matchups I would be rooting for seeing in the playoffs, because I think so many teams are flawed in so many ways that it's just a matter of if you get the right matchup for you on the right week, I guess. 
Yeah. I I just, I know that I, I always have teams that I would rather face and Tennessee is one of them. I might even like to see the Ravens if we're going to make possibility of seeing them without Lamar. I don't know if that's better or worse, I guess, but um, I know that I don't want to see Indianapolis and I don't want to see the chiefs. Yeah. I very much so don't want to see Indianapolis. <laughs> All right, Justin Goddard. Do you have anything else for me? Uh, no, no bonus questions today. Can no bonus questions up? today. We Back are nap time. <laughs> <laughs> we're sipping right through this. Um, you can find Justin on the watering Buffalo, which now comes out on Mondays and Thursdays. Um, you can follow him and his partner in crime, Andrew. They are one of my favorite podcasts and they're just good people. 80% of why I listen to a podcast is because I like the host and I, I like good people. So if you're not, Hip to them yet? Go check them out. Justin, plug your socials, please. Uh, so you can find my partner in crime, Andrew. He's on social medias at Two Changs. And you can always find me on any social medias at JGods22. Okay, that's it. That's it. Justin, thank you so much for powering through today. So I appreciate it. And we will talk to you next week. Of course, of course. Thanks for having me. Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat, a built-in Buffalo production. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Be ready. It might be chilly. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Bill's Mafia. Back in the Mafia hot seat for this second straight week is the man, the myth, the legend, the GM, the president, the most beloved Bill's mascot, Justice General. Justice, how are you this week? Wow, what an entrance. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's an introduction, I guess I should say. Um, it's also always awesome, you know, being on your show. Every time I'm like a guest on your show, it makes me feel smarter. So, you know, um, I'm excited to, to get going. <laughs> My man, you need better standards. You need better standards. Nah, Vince, you're the man. I don't care what you say, bro. You're the man. I'm going to change my tag to the laziest man in Bill's content creation mafia, because I have all of the guests do the heavy lifting. Vince, you guys you make know, me look good. You know more than a lot of people do how lazy some of these people are. So let's not go there. Okay. You are not even close to the laziest person. <laughs> well, I know a few. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll go ahead and get started. You know the drill, and you are the first one up this week. Okay. So, Justice, which one would you like? Give me Pro Bowl, All Pro, may break – well, he already broke Bill's records. He may break some more. We'll see what happens, you know, throughout his career. But he's only in his second year. 
He's already one of the best in the league at his position. Mr. Tyler Bass, of course. Is that three? Two. Two. Okay. I I like this question. There's plenty of room for debate here. And I'm not even sure. If you were to ask me this question, I think my answer might depend on what day of the week it is and how I'm feeling. So there's a I think there's a big variance here. So I'm gonna go ahead and put you on the spot because I because that's what we do here on the Mafia Hot Seat. So Justice General, on a scale of one to ten, one is no confidence at all. Ten is I have zero doubt. What is your confidence level in Sean McDermott? Hmm, I see why you say what you said. <laughs> it depends on the day of the week. Oh, man. Um, you know what? I think as boy Bills fans, we're a little, we get a little excited, you know, um, especially me. You know, I, I can only speak for myself, but I feel like this is true with a lot of us. We get a little too unrealistic, you know what I mean, with, with our expectations and, you know, we, we haven't, a lot of us haven't really ever had a good team to root for, you know, um, people pretty much under 30 is like, you know, you don't really remember seeing a successful team too often, you know? So I think we tend to over like, you know, bloviate our expectations, but I think ultimately Sean McDermott is the best thing that has happened to this franchise since like Marv Levy, Jim Kelly, Bruce Smith, those guys, right? Sean McDermott came in and shifted an entire culture, like, um, you know, not just the organization, but the, the as well. He really turned everything around. If, if I had to give you a number, I would say 9.5. Um, he still has room to grow. Um, but, if I'm relative to what every coach not named Marv Levy has done, you know, he's, he's head and shoulders, the best coach we've ever had, you know, not named Marv Levy. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'd have to say a 9.5, like, you, you know, uh, obviously his first season, you come in with a roster that didn't make the playoffs the previous year with Rex Ryan, who was supposed to be this great, you know, savior, whatever. Um, he comes in with the same roster, he cuts a few people, trades like some of our best players, and they go to the playoffs for the first time in almost two decades. You know, second year, he purged the entire team. Um, and you know, it was rough, but we actually outperformed what we were expected to do. Not only that, when you actually look at it, we won six games, and our starting quarterback was injured for like four or five. You know, and so who knows what would have happened if Josh was healthy the entire season? And I know that might sound crazy to say, but you know, who knows? We may win eight, nine games. We you you never know what what would happen. You know, because um, his second season they came in and they did exactly they won ten games. The, or I'm sorry, Sean McDermott's third season. This would be Josh's second season, and you know, the four McDermott's fourth year obviously was the he was he was definitely robbed of coach of the year I, I think that most sane people would say sean mcdermott should have been coach of the year um and then this year i i feel like if what are we eight and six if eight and six is 
you know, your coach having a bad season, that's not bad for, you know, what we've been through as a fan base in the past. So um, I'm very much confident in Sean McDermott. Of course, he has room to grow. Uh, there are some things that you obviously wish he could do better, but, you know, it's, it's kind of like the 80-20 rule. You don't leave your wife when she gives you 80, you know, 90% of what you want, you know, just because you're missing that other 10, 20%, you know, it's like you still have an amazing someone amazing who is there you know Sean McDermott is he's an amazing head football coach is what I'm trying to say so <laughs> I would say yeah about a 9.5 it's hard for rambling no that's I want you to get your thoughts out that's why you're here that's why I, I invite you on that's why you're doing all the heavy lifting because I'm lazy <laughs> I my confidence I don't think I ever get quite as high as you I think I'm, I f- might fluctuate somewhere between six and nine. Like, is he a great coach? Yes. It's his first year as a head coach. It's his fifth year. I can't remember if it's his fourth year. Fifth year. Fifth year. year. This is just his fourth year. There are things on game day that absolutely drive me batty. He gets conservative sometimes. He uses his challenges <laughs> incorrectly, his timeouts incorrectly, clock management. You know, there's, there's just a lot of game day things that he, that annoy me about him, but you know, that's not the only part of being a coach. The part of being a coach is being the guy to, you know, look to when, when things are rough, being the guy to drive your vision and get people pointed all in the right direction and, and being the guy to, I mean, you're a leader. That's what you do. And I think he's really good at that. You mentioned the 80, 20 or the 90, 10 thing. Like if we were, I'm never advocating firing McDermott. But if you're going to upgrade, how are you, who are you going to upgrade with? Are you going to take right. an offensive you, coordinator you with? Literally, you need like Andy Reid or you know something like that. Yeah, he's a top ten coach in the league. You know, he's far from perfect. But I will say this, Justice, I think he's going to get a Super Bowl at least one with Josh in his career before he's out of Buffalo. I could see, you know, I and you just said how I'm a little higher on you than things, but I I, I could see multiple. You know, only because of when you just think about how special Josh is, um, you know, I don't necessarily know if Brian Dayball makes Sean McDermott super comfortable. I think, you know, that's why he's a little conservative. I think he doesn't have all the trust in the world in Dayball. Um, and so he coaches like it. But I think if he were to get like an offensive coordinator who he was on the same page with, and they, you know, could bounce off of each other and depend on each other. Um, I feel like, you know, our, our team would be a lot better because you can tell he doesn't have a ton to do with the offense. Um, you know, he, he, he makes the, the, you know, administrational decisions, but he does, and it doesn't seem like he calls plays or anything. Um, so I think that he knows he has confidence in his defense because that's his, you know, area of expertise so he'd rather put the onus on his defense and then you know see if they can get the offense another opportunity so i think that's the reason he is so conservative um but like i said i feel like if he had an offensive coordinator he could trust he would he would uh, be you know pretty much one of if not the best coaches in the nfl because you know you say top 10 and before the season started i had him top three now I would say, yeah, he's probably somewhere in the top 10. Um, I don't know exactly where. Um, it's definitely not top three, though. But uh, he, he he's just, like I said, he, he needs to grow. 
and I'm not really sure what's going to happen with Brian Dayball or the offensive coordinator position or what, but um, I feel like once he gets that figured out, you know, they'll be fine because the special teams is great. The defense is great. The offense is just, you know, inconsistent. Well, I keep hearing about a rift between him and Dable. And I don't know where that came from. I just heard other people talk about it. So I'm just assuming it's a thing, but I, I don't know where that comes from. I'm not close enough to a team, obviously, to have that kind of knowledge. But if well, we're in, in the press if, conference, the one day he actually said, you know, uh, he, he was like somebody asked him a question. I, I'm sorry, I forget who asked what question specifically, but he pretty much threw Dayball under the bus and he was like, you know, we need to be better in the red zone, um, you know, and he just, you know, kind of, you know, he, he holds Dable accountable for sure. So maybe that's where the rift comes from. I, I'm not sure though. Well, I, what I'm hearing is like, Oh, he McDermott is forcing Dable to run the ball in the middle and he doesn't have the horses to do it. Like, I don't even know if it's true. Someone just said it. I'm going with it, but hmm. I don't know. I, um, I, I don't know that all of that blame should go to Dable. And I'm not a huge Dable supporter. I was kind of, even last year when he was the hot commodity, I was just kind of, yeah, I don't know that I want him on my team. But if you don't have the horses, you don't have the horses and you can only scheme so much. But to be fair, where has all the motion and jet sweep stuff gone this year? And why aren't we making adjustments more timely? And there's some of that criticism has to go to Sean McDermott as a head coach. Yeah, um, I, I'm not mad at you there. Um, I, I, if if he's trying to force plays on Brian Dayball, that kind of shakes up my entire opinion of Brian Dayball um, because I didn't know that. And I was under the impression that he just ran the offense with impunity. Um, but if if Sean McDermott is trying to force them to like run the ball, then I'm definitely 100% against that in Sean McDermott. You know, in his case. Um, again, I'm not really sure what happened with Dayball. I don't know what what flipped from last season to this season, but he's just not as aggressive. He uh, is doesn't make adjustments. Uh, he doesn't really seem like he is in a rush to like the Bills don't have an identity. You know, their offense It's just like oh, if Josh Allen is hot, then Josh Allen is hot, and he's going to will and deal and do whatever he needs to do to win the game. That's but the identity. <laughs> yeah, but if he's not, then it's like, what the hell? It just looks like a big jambled, random litter of plays that they run. You know what I mean? Like, there's no flow, uh, nothing like that. It's just wait for Josh to do something amazing, and if he does this drive and we make enough plays, we'll score. And if not, then, you know, let's hope our defense holds them. You know, it doesn't. It just, I don't know, it doesn't feel natural. Well, and we hired Bobby Johnson away from the Colts. Assistant offensive line. I want to make a parallel there to Adam Gase coaching Pat and Peyton Manning and taking all the credit. You know, um, you have those guys. Well, they've changed a little bit since he's come here. But, I mean, you have Quentin Nelson. You have Ryan Kelly. Um, I'm trying to – I'm just drawing a blank on some of the other names on that offensive line. But you have a great offensive line. Amazing and offensive line. he's the assistant. And we're just like, well, well, we'll take that guy. Okay, well, how much of an impact? Yeah, he was there, and it was a successful offensive line, and they kept Jacoby uh, – what's his name? Upright all that time, and they could run the ball when they want. 
Percent. Mm. Percent, yes. But what was your actual contribution? Did we ask that in an interview question? Like, okay, that's great. You know, that could be like, you know, there's a group project in college and there's one guy that's just kind of hanging around getting an A, but doesn't really contribute. Is that mm -hmm. what we got in Bobby Johnson? Is that that's probably a little too harsh, but I think the point is there. I don't think so. I think, you know, you you see a system that is working very well and you try to basically infiltrate that system, bring somebody who's on the inside you know, bring them to your team and see if maybe they can execute it, you know, here with your roster. And either he wasn't paying attention in class or I'm not sure what's going on, but that is definitely not the same <laughs> product, at least. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with Bobby Johnson. I feel like, I don't know, man. It's just, it's like some days they're so bad. And it's just like, how are they that bad? And really bad. Uh, like, you keep saying it, Justice. Uh, guard plays bad throughout the league. They're still like an average of the league or always way below it this year. Yeah, we, we've got to be way below it. Um, and and if, if, you know, if the mean is bad and you're way below the mean, then, you know, you're, you're in a rough situation. Um, but I just don't really know what to do with our office. I, I mean, I feel like you definitely need a fresh start. Um, Bobby Johnson kind of, he is, you know, he kind of needs to go at this point. It's, it's kind of like just for the peace of mind of like the community, he has to go at this point. It's kind of like, you can't let somebody just be that bad at their job and, and still keep it. You know what I mean? Um, if, if that is the case, I don't think that we just have these guys who are just out there who are so untalented that they shouldn't be in the NFL. You know, um, Cody Ford was a second round draft pick and people had a lot of hope for him. And he just has been, I think it's safe to call him to be word. You know, he's been a bust. Um, but I'm, I'm very much under the impression that Cody Ford will go to another team and be like a, you know, fringe uh, uh pro bowl player I, I really do believe that and i don't know why but i just have this feeling that he's going to go somewhere else and be really good you know um kind of like Wyatt teller did you know so i don't know maybe it's just it's the development i'm not sure what's going on with those guys but that's the most important second most important unit of our football team outside of obviously the quarterback but that's the second most important unit of our football team and then the third most important unit, the defensive line, isn't great either. So it's kind of like you got your quarterback, you're missing the two of the top three most important units, but then everything else is Super Bowl caliber. I don't really know what to do with that. You know, that that right there gets you eight and six, you know, so uh, I'm not really sure what's going on. Yeah, I, I think there's a problem across the league on how we select head coaches. It's like, well, he's on a successful program, so he obviously knows what he's doing. And that goes for, you know, assistant coaches or coordinators that want to make the jump to being uh, the head coach. And I, I think that about Brian Dable right now, when he becomes a head coach last year, this year, next year, yeah, you know, and there's, that's not completely fair. There's a lot of different variables that go into making somebody successful ownership, the roster, if you have your quarterback, but body of work wise, you know, like you can just be a hanger honor on a good team and, and get, consideration and i think that i don't know this this is just my perception of being a a third party dumbass 
<laughs> looking at it from a, a far away, but I feel like that happens a lot. Like you don't dig deep enough in the interviews. Yeah, I feel like Brian Dayball is like the perfect example of that. Like you look at Brian Dayball, he's been to Alabama. Well, doesn't matter who's on that, you know, that coaching staff, they're going to win. He's been with New England. Doesn't really matter who's on that coaching staff, they're going to win. You know, uh, you, then you come to Buffalo at the right time where, you know, Sean McDermott is, is just changing around the system. And, you know, you get a, a, a generation defining quarterback who got hot as soon as you, you know, you got there, basically. Um, you know, he, he yeah, it feels like he kind of gets lucky. And, you know, I feel like he he might have ended up being a head coach. Yeah, I don't know if he still will, but I feel like he probably wouldn't have been what people were hoping for. You know, um, and I feel like he, he would have like, I don't want to say failed upwards because I don't know if he's necessarily failed, but I don't know if he's necessarily as great as people give him credit for either. Um, but then I look at a guy like Ken Dorsey and, you know, he's worked so well with, you know, quarterbacks and it's kind of like, I don't know if he's like the same thing, if he just happened to work with the right quarterbacks, the great quarterbacks and and did he actually help them develop? Or did he just, you know, fall in the lap of, of two of the best quarterbacks in the league? And, you know, it's not really, you know, his work that helped him. I'm not sure. And I don't, you know, I, I'm with you. I don't know if that's necessarily fair to say. Um, but something's got to get for this offense, whether it's the offensive line, the offensive coordinator. They've got to be way more consistent than what they are. You know, our defense is playing far too well for them to just keep losing this games. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I'm I'm not upset if Dable stays. I'm not upset if he leaves. You know, I guess I don't have strong feelings about him either way. He was, a, like you and I talked about a couple weeks ago, before he ever got a chance, he was a bottom-of-the-league offensive coordinator that bounced around a little bit, and he was a run-first guy. And, you know, now he has Josh Allen. So I, I give him a little credit for bringing along Josh Allen. You can't spend that much time with your, with your quarterback and not have some kind of effect on them, I think. But anyway, it's going to be really interesting next year because I do think, I, I think there's a pretty good chance that Brian Dable is either fired <laughs> or a head coach. I think it could go either way. It's probably yeah. more likely that he gets fired, but Leslie Frazier is technically not a quarterback. He's or a, a coordinator. He is an assistant head coach, but he does have control of the defense. And I, I think that he's doing a good enough job that he will get consideration again because he wasn't terrible in Minnesota. Yeah, I I feel like, and and you've probably heard me say this, but all of the recognition that Brian Dayball gets, it's kind of like Leslie Frazier really deserves it because when you when you look at it, let's say Leslie Frazier has been here what one more year than Brian Dayball, right? You know, uh Leslie Frazier's defense has been good four of the five years he's been here. And then the one year where it wasn't, which was last year, he was it was riddled with injuries. And then they were even one of the best defenses in the league heading into the playoffs. You see what they did to the Baltimore Ravens, you know, um, obviously in the divisional round. So Leslie Frazier has been better than consistent. He's been good to great his entire tenure here. Um, and then it's like Brian Dayball has one good season out of almost four now. And it's like, oh, but that's the guy who deserves a head coaching job. I don't really 
I don't, I don't know about that, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, overall coaching in, in, you know, the entire coaching tree, the entire coaching bubble, I think the difference between who we are now and what's going to get you the Super Bowl, And maybe it's, you know, the difference between Belichick and Brady and everybody else is having that great quarterback and that great team, but the coach, right. You're going to, we're going to have a different discussion and we have had this different discussion about penalties and, and we won't get into that, but if you can be a strong enough coach where you can limit those penalties, one play can make a difference in any, I mean, think about the perfect season with Tom Brady and that one catch against the helmet by David Tyree, like mm-hmm. one play can make the difference. So those penalties and your ability to coach, I think matters twice as much in the playoffs as it does in regular season. And, you know, McDermott's got some work to do there. And that doesn't yeah. mean he, he can get lucky. He'll still win one. That can happen. But to be the consistent winner like Belichick or, you know, the guys that are the Tomlin, those guys, that's the difference. I agree. I think uh, most of our penalties are offensive line related, to be honest. And um, I think once we get that whole little situation cleaned up, we'll be we'll be OK. Um, I think that will cut down on our penalties dramatically. Uh, because if you if you look up every time there's a flag on the field, it's a false start or holding on, you know, the offensive line or something like that. So, um, you know, I, I think that will clean itself up as that situation is cleaned up. Um, so I do think that because, you know, you look at what Belichick and, and Brady were able to do. I feel like I don't want to say Sean McDermott is Belichick, but. You know, what he did with our organization, nobody else could do. And he came and he did it immediately, you know. And like I say, he has a lot of learning to do. But I, I say he has a really high ceiling in terms of being a, a head football coach. And then obviously Josh has his ceiling is through the roof. Um, I think he's a better – I think he's a more talented quarterback than what Brady could have been. Um, and so I feel like his ceiling – this is hard to say. I don't want to say his ceiling is higher than Brady's, but I feel like he has the capacity to possibly do something similar to what Brady did. Let me just be PC and say it that way. Um, well, and, the difference and, between Brady and, and Allen is Allen is much more athletically gifted. He can run around and, you know, Brady is not that Brady is just two things, mental preparation and his, his confidence like I think maybe you and I, or maybe Justin and I have talked about this before, but when you, and you're not a baseball player and I'm making a baseball reference on a football pod, but Mariano Rivera, when he came out to close for the Yankees, I don't think his blood pressure ever went up. Tom Brady stepping onto the field for a game winning drive. You would never know it was a game winning drive. I can't say that about Josh and he's been successful. He's done it, but it's not the same. Josh gets, a little energetic and you can see that he's just a little bit, you can tell he's elevated a little bit where Brady is just like, you can't tell that he's, his blood is even pumping. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think that comes from experience um, because it's kind of like if, if you're ever in sales or anything like that, you know, product knowledge is everything, you know? So if you know the product back and forth, you can sell it to anything or anybody or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, It's kind of, I think Brady is that he knows the game of football inside out. He knows what you're doing before you're going to do it. You know, he knows what defense you're in 
you know, that's why people have to try to trick him and, you know, play out of position and stuff like that. Um, but ultimately, all he needs is a couple seconds to diagnose the defense. And he knows exactly where to go with the ball. And I think that's where his his confidence comes from. It's just from knowing, you know, already. Um, Josh doesn't know all the time. You know, sometimes the blitz might get him. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, somebody dropping into a zone, he doesn't exactly know what their responsibility is, and they might be playing out of position. He might think they have a different responsibility than what they actually have. Kind of like the uh, – who was that? Jeremy Chin interception that just happened against the Panthers. He mm-hmm. thought Jeremy Chin was playing, you know, down – you know, low zone, but obviously his his responsibility was back in that corner, you know, where he was trying to hit digs. Um, so he does get confused sometimes by that. And I think that's where some of his, you know, just being jittery comes from is, uh, you know, not being sure what the play calls for, what the defense calls for, you know, what the, you know, what's the answer to this particular defense. Um, and, and Brady does. I think that's the difference between them. Uh, Brady is like a Jedi mind, you know, in terms of the c- cerebral you know, quarterbacking, he's he's the GOAT, and it's really not close, to be honest. Um, he doesn't have the arm talent that, like, Rodgers has and, or anything like that, but he knows the game inside out. And if Josh could get there, oh, my God. If, if, if Belichick – I'm sorry, if, if – if McDermott can find his Josh McDaniels, we're off to the races, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I, we'll see what happens there. But I'm super confident that they'll they'll get a couple Super Bowls. Yeah, I, I say at least one, but it, it feels good to be in the conversation. Yeah. All absolutely. right. Justice, do you have anything else for me? Um. Actually, yeah. Do you do you think we can um? Win the AFCs. Yeah, if if you were asking me to bet money, yes or no, I'd I'd have to bet yes because I think it's more likely. But <laughs> I don't feel as comfortable as I'd like, given the way this team has played. But I just have a feeling about the New England game that it's going to go our way. And you know, looking at the two other opponents after that, the Falcons and the Jets, those should be winnable games, even for us. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and no games to give me this season. You never know. So I, you know, I mean, hopefully we can. The Jets better not. We better not lose the Jets, like for real. Um, the Falcons. Oops, sorry. The Falcons are they're a little, you know, scary. Not scary, but like you know, they're they can make moves sometimes. You know, when they're on point. You know, Matt Ryan is obviously a former MVP. He knows a lot about the game. Um, so he, he can he can do some things sometimes, you know, when he gets in his little mode. Obviously, um, Kyle Pitts is really good, even as a rookie. Um, and we have problems with tight ends from time to time. So um, I don't think we'll lose, but that game scares me more than like the Jets game, though. And and I'm I'm with you there. I think that, you know, we're, we're going to go out there and handle um, – the Patriots. I think the weather obviously played a huge part in the last game. And uh, I think Mac Jones got a little piece of what like an actual playoff atmosphere would feel like last week when they played the Colts and got stomped. Um, And I feel like you'll get that same playoff feeling, that same playoff atmosphere. Cause this is, 
it's not necessarily a hat and shirts game, but it is at the same time. It's like whoever wins this is probably going to, you know, win the division. So, well, there you have it. Clean out your bank account, take everything you own, bring it to Vegas and bet on it because Justice just told you to. Ooh. Do not do that. Do not do that. <laughs> do not do hey, that. You, I'll, I'll win you a lot of money. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> All right, Justice, I got to get out of here. So uh, why don't you plug your socials real quick? Yeah, man. Um, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at JA17MVP. Um, I have home field advantage every Wednesday with my boy Caveman. Uh, first round by every Friday with Jake and Izzy. And I have the Windchill Factor, which is my podcast that comes out every Tuesday. Your Monday. I'm Tuesday. <laughs> and uh armchair GMs with Ryan, Ryan C. Um, and and that that comes out like Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's it's kind of you know, we 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 release on both days. So um a lot of a lot of opportunities for you to hear my voice and hear my opinions. Um, so, you know, nobody can say that I, I didn't, you know, tell them who's going to win or, you know, you're very shy. You're just very shy. I actually am. It doesn't sound like it, but I actually am. All right. Justice, my man, it is always a pleasure. I enjoy speaking with you and, and thank you so much. We will talk to you hopefully maybe one more time before we get out of here. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure, Vince. Um, Appreciate you. And uh, go Bills. Go Bills. All right. Bills Mafia. Back in the Mafia hot seat this week is one of my other favorite people, Nate from Circle the Wagons. You know him, you love him. He's one of the just nicest guys in the mafia. Nate, how are you? I am doing well, Vince. This is my uh, my favorite podcast to come on besides uh, my own. So, so this is uh, this is nice to do uh, with you. And you know, I feel like you know, I feel like kind of it's it's almost like a Derek Jeter tour. I feel like I'm I'm happy and proud to be one of the uh, one of the stops on it. Well, first of all, love the Derek Jeter reference. I already loved you, and now I just love you that much more. <laughs> Second of all, man, that makes me feel so good. That thank you. That's coming from you, Nate. That means a little bit more. So I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, yeah. Also, I don't get invited on a lot of other ones, but but don't take that. Don't take that. <laughs> don't take well, that as face value. You still are one of my <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. In all seriousness, I've, I've been on, on on only like you know a few other ones, but um, this is this is. This is this is fun. This is an easy conversation, and I always enjoy those. All right, so we can go ahead and get started. You are the second one to go this week, and you can have any number you like between one and ten, but not number three. Okay, let's do. I'm sorry, not number two. No number two. Um, let's go one. One. Okay. This is. I'm going to ask you to put a number on this. I'm I'm going to I'm going to test your confidence level. So one is no confidence at all. The sky is falling, and ten is absolutely. I bet my house on it at Vegas. But the Bills are going to win the AFC East this year. <laughs> it's a perfect time to ask this question right before uh, Bills Patriots game. Um, 
man, this is almost like saying, how do I feel as far as how, what's my confidence level as far as the Bills beating the Patriots? And, oh man, man, I, I, I want to be super confident in this team. Um, so, so what's funny about the Bills this whole season is it's been such a weird season for us as fans, as I'm sure you know, as I'm sure you've talked about, it's, it's been like an up and down season, but like the close ones have obviously been all down for the most part. I mean, I just put, posted a, a poll on Twitter about, you know, what's if, if the bills win against the Patriots, will this be the most signature win of 2021? And, you know, obviously above that, like 90% of the people were saying, yeah, even, even more so than the chiefs game. Um, this is, and it, it makes sense because it's worth that much more. It's worth almost two wins. If you consider the divisional uh, repercussions, I have a confidence level of, I'm going to say six. And the reason why I say six, I, I was originally thinking five, but I think I'm going to go six, is that the Bills uh, fared so poorly this season with close games. And for the most part, all those close games were against good teams, right? You think about the Titans, you think about the Patriots beforehand. Uh, you know, th there's just they were so close in a lot of those games. Whereas last season, they were the exact opposite. Now, this season, they were 0-5 in close games within one score. And last year, they were 5-1, right? So so you go, you know, you basically had a regression to the mean overall between the last couple of seasons. Uh, I think this is going to be a close game. And I think that the Bills uh, have a good chance to pull it off. Um, I really wish Trey White was there. Uh, obviously not. But I think that, you know, as long as, you know, knock on wood, we don't have any major uh, players on the COVID-19 reserve list. Um, I think that the Bills have a chance to even win in Foxborough. And I, and I don't think that's ridiculous. And I, I think, I know we're all still kind of upset at that game, but you know, that game was the last game against the Bills and the Patriots was made one dimensional. And the, the problem with that is it wasn't like it was anything amazing that Bill Belichick did. It's just that the Bills can't win in that one-dimensional type of game. Well, that's not going to be the case this next week. So it'll be a true, uh, it'll, it'll really be a true challenge for the Buffalo Bills, a true test. And uh, and I could see, uh, uh, I could see them coming out on top. Yeah, I I think I agree with you. But there's such a big swing here. I, I mean, we can either win the AFC East and be the four seed, or we could miss the playoffs totally. And I don't think there's a lot of breathing room if we drop one of the last three. It's almost one or the other. Like it's almost binary. Um, and yep. I don't know how you feel about this, Nate. But if we win the division, there's a stronger chance that we match up in the first round with a team like the Colts. And if we were to get the wild card at, say, the seventh seed, there's a better chance that we match up with a team like Tennessee. So I, it almost behooves us to get the wild card instead. But you never really want to say that. No, no, of course not. Yeah, it's well, yeah, you don't want to face the, the Colts again, but you can't really go into the playoffs and hope. Well, you know, let's let's just hope that someone else takes out that team that we can't beat because ideally you want to be good enough to beat any team in the AFC. And you got to hope that coaching will somehow get you out of 
those jams that you were in earlier if you face the same team twice. And um, I would much rather play the Titans right now at this point, now that Derrick Henry isn't an issue, especially because Jonathan Taylor is, uh, would be an issue for the Buffalo Bills if they played them. Uh, the Bills just haven't been able to stop those, those teams that just run the ball down your throat and have good offensive lines. Not just have good running backs, but have good offensive lines also. That's why that's why teams like the Browns scare scare me, and they did last year's too. I mean, you know, when we were looking at the seeding uh, for the playoffs last season, we're like, man, I hope we, hope we don't get the Browns. Like that would be a major issue for the Buffalo Bills, and it would have been. And what's what's funny, Vince, is that you know those were issues that we had last season, and even though the Buffalo Bills lost to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, uh, you know, it, it almost feels like they they built that team around beating the chiefs when really it's like, you know, they, they just forgot all these other issues that they had on the team on defense and on offense. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, it, it's so easy to look back in, in hindsight and say, you know, what you would have done differently. But I mean, I didn't have tackle as a need for the Buffalo bills, at least a high need last season. And they did, you know, back-to-back -back picks on tackles, which I'm, which I'm fine with, I guess, just as long as you don't need, the interior offensive lineman too. It's just like the same thing with defensive end, like go back to back with Russo and Boogie Basham. Like that's fine. Like that, that makes sense in the long run, but you're also missing on the fact that you could have gotten a Cree Humphrey or someone like that on the interior uh, or, or another corner. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I say this knowing that we probably hit on Greg Russo and we hopefully hit on Spencer Brown also. Um, and we did not hit on Cody Ford. It does not appear. It doesn't look good at all. Uh, so yeah, so long, long-winded answer is I I would much rather face the Titans. Sure, sure you could face one, you know, as a four seed or the seventh seed. Um, to me, you know, it doesn't really. I mean, I, I'd love home field advantage. To me, that's much more important than necessarily like who you're facing potentially. Because I mean, the Bills were able to beat the Colts last year in the in the AFC uh, playoffs, you know, and just barely, but. Uh, they did that at home and then they beat the Ravens at home. Like I'm much more interested in that than necessarily who I'm playing against. And if they have the four seed, then that means that they're playing at home. So that's a, that's a big deal to me. Yeah. Well, the, the Colts game was at home. And yeah. So I'm, I'm still, I'm still, I don't like looking at the Colts, man. I might, I might also, I, I think that I might rather see the chiefs in the playoffs than the Colts. I mean, that's probably not likely because they're probably going to get the one seed. But, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm just looking at the teams, looking at who I like and who I don't like, I don't want any part of the Colts at all. I, I, if we can miss them at all, give me Baltimore with a banged up Lamar Jackson. Give me, I mean, give me anybody but the Colts. Mm -hmm. well, well, who is it? Tyler Huntley doesn't look that bad, <laughs> you know, all things considered. It's funny. It's like when he went, when Lamar Jackson went down against the Bills and they were putting in Huntley, and he, that, at that time he was a an undrafted uh, rookie, you know, uh, quarterback. And I'm like, oh, the Bills got this. Like, he didn't look half bad. Like, there was part of me that was worried that they might actually come back, and if not for a drop pass, they might have had a chance of actually winning that game um, with that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, in general, um, I'd rather face the Ravens because we have done it and, and won it. Um you know, there's a lot. There's, I mean, any of those teams on any given Sunday, they could beat you. You know, I, I'm not as so. So I guess 
I would say, you know, it, any of those teams that you're looking at in the AFC could potentially beat you. I mean, the Steelers have, right? So, like, even the Steelers could beat you, even as as rough as, as they've looked this season. So, um, you know, it, just get in, and then see what happens. Hopefully, you get a home playoff game, uh, and then you know you're playing whoever you play. But it's kind of funny to talk about this at this point. Sure, they could play, you know, the Titans or the Colts or whatever. I mean, that could change, you know, within it feels like there's 13 out of 16 teams in the AFC that have a chance of making the playoffs. So like any of those seating changes could, could be a big deal and um, they could change. I mean, the bills could beat the Patriots and then lose the jets, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's so funny to talk about seating. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm worried about every team in the AFC and then I'm also not worried about any team in the AFC, you know, at the same time, it's kind of like a funny dichotomy. Yeah, not I, not all the teams scare me equally. You know, they're like I was just talking about their their teams that I think have more juice than others. And I think that if I'm the other teams and I'm looking at it backwards, I think the Bills are that team too. And I want to give us a little credit because we completely are 100 capable of having Josh go out there and throw five touchdowns and 400 yards in any game. He can do it. He'll maybe he does it this week against the Patriots. Like it it, it can happen. But we're also capable of giving up, you know, 250 on the ground without even blinking. Exactly. Without even needing it. Like, I mean, just just to give you an idea, like let's over over the top seven, eight teams and their quarterbacks, like who who of those teams quarterbacks really scare you? I mean, Patrick Mahomes, because he's Patrick Mahomes, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's, you know, based on the standings, it's Mac Jones, no. Ryan Tannehill, no. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, maybe a little, a little I mean, bit. He's, he's still young, though. He's not where Josh Allen is, is in his career. Carson Wentz, Justin Herbert, still, again, very good, but still I would you know, argue he's not at Josh Allen's level yet. Uh, and then Lamar Jackson, also very good if he's healthy, if he's healthy. And then you have Ben Roethlisberger, Derek Carr. You know, to a, it's like the, there's only one team that I can definitively say is probably better than Josh Allen. And so then it's a matter of, you know, can the defense, you know, stick it together like you said i mean if if they can if the bills can find a way to make that offense bang on all cylinders in the playoffs and get hot at the right time it doesn't matter how good their defense is because they'll be able to i mean you know the colts have a good defense but the bills couldn't get anything going against him and that was one of the things that hurt the bills it never got into a shootout with those teams you know as you saw last week against the panthers you need to just get up early and, you know, keep your foot on the gas because then they have to pass. And if you have to have Carson Wentz pass 50 times in a game, the, the Colts aren't going to win. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, you know, it, you know, it, it, you could say that about most of those teams, maybe besides, you know, the Bengals and, and the chiefs. Uh, so, so anyway, like that's, you're right. It, I, I look, I look at all those teams and, and the bills are definitely, mm -hmm. In if I was if I was looking at them uh, from another team standpoint, I would not want to play the Buffalo Bills. And you know, sure, we could they're beatable as they've proven to be. Um, and I'm hoping that the regression to the mean starts now in the middle of the season instead of like in 2022 for these <laughs> close games. Uh, but but yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100 with you. If if you're if you're on the other side of the ball and you're a team that's looking at the Buffalo Bills. And you're looking at this team with Josh Allen, you know, a run game that's starting to kind of come together now that they've kind of given Devin Singletary some more looks, which they should have, you know, from the beginning. And they actually started to kind of make some holes for him. 
um, every once in a while. Uh, I, I just rattled off the stat on Twitter today. Devin Singletary is tied for fifth in the NFL for running backs in yards after contact. So, I mean, he's up there with, you know, I mean, you're talking the only ones above him, like Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, Tony, Tony Pollard, the mm -hmm. only ones above him. Right. And then you think about all the other great, you know, uh, running backs in the NF or the AFC and they're, they're right there with them. So, um, you know, he, he's a decent running back. He really is. Uh, it's just a matter of getting the ball in his hand. And, and I said this over Twitter. I said this on our podcast. It's like, Hey, you know, uh, when that first touchdown happened and, it was like a 16 yard touchdown. Devin Singletary run around, ran around the right side of the line and there was like an opening and a hole and he dove in for the touchdown. And, uh, Josh Allen must've been like, Whoa, holy crap. Like, like you can, do we that? can do that. Is that legal? Is that like, <laughs> like, this is like, is, is there a flag? Like, I didn't think I could actually like, you know, be one of those quarterbacks. I could actually hand it off to a guy and not do it myself. Um, so if that all comes together, if the offense comes together, I mean, this and the defense doesn't take huge steps back. Um, I mean, the, the team could get dangerous. I mean, it just sucks that, you know, they are where they are. I mean, the Bucks were what, seven and five last season. And then all this, you know, people were talking about Arians getting fired and then they win the Super Bowl. So as long as Buffalo gets on the right track and, and you know, we're holding the Lombardi trophy in February and we're joking about the stupid Jaguars loss in, you know, October or whatever. Oh, you know, I'll take it. It's, 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 it's insignificant at that point. And you just want to be that team that gets hot at the right time. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, we can talk about Tom Compton's giants where he gets into the playoffs at eight and eight and ends up winning Super Bowl against Tom mm -hmm. Brady, by the way, <laughs> and getting the playoffs and anything happens and that's fine. And that's great. And sure it can happen, but is that really what, we just moved the goalpost a little bit and it does bother me. And I know that it's still possible, but I don't know. Maybe I like our chances at Super Bowl better if we do win the AFCs because it seems more likely. Yeah. And, and I get your, I get your uh, point for sure. I mean, but you know, you're talking about five games uh, where the bills, was it five or four? I think it's five games that they lost by one score five at this point. And I mean, you talk about like just two of those going, they came down to one possession. You're talking about two of those going the other way and the bills have the lead in the AFC East, mm -hmm. like they do. And they don't lose it unless they lose this week. You know what I mean? So, well, I can say that about the drought era teams too. No, those teams sucked. <laughs> those teams <laughs> well, were they, garbage. Vin. They did, but that's that kind of thinking like, well, it was a tough game. Like how many games against did we almost win against New England, you know, like there were those one score games that didn't go our way for a long mm -hmm. time. And that's because we were losers. We're that's winners true. now, or we want to be, but yeah, we, I mean, the wins a win and we got to find a way to turn those. Well, around. we weren't, we weren't saying that last year when the bills went 13 and three, we weren't like, well, you know, they won five games by a score of, you know, one by one score or less. We weren't like they could easily be 10 and six. We were just like, hell yeah, they're 13 and three. They're really freaking good. No, I was pissed yeah. off that we weren't winning by more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were so spoiled. Yeah. 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 Quickly. How it's funny how quickly our perception can change, isn't it? Oh God. It's a week to week. It's a week to week change. I mean, it's sometimes it's day to day. I mean, especially with guys going on the COVID list and, you know, with obviously what happened with Cole Beasley and stuff that, you know, igniting a new flame and in, in Twitter, um, to be honest, I'm just kind of tired of, of all that discussion. 
um, in general. I mean, it was kind of interesting over the summer and now I'm just like, oh, I'm just over it. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I mean, I, I, I could go on a rant, but I'm not going to, because what's the point? Nobody Dude, wants it's to your hear podcast, it. man. You can go on a rant. <laughs> Nobody's, it's not going to change anybody's mind and nobody wants to hear it. And no, it's kind of, no. yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of sad that like, that's, that's what divides the world is thoughts on, you know, a pandemic or whatever and politics and all that stuff. And that's like one of the cool things about uh, sports is that it usually, you know, uh, unites people together because, you know, we're, we're talking about this on, on our podcast uh, last week. We were just, you know, we, we went to the Colts game. And before the game, we were just, we got tickets through my company. And so like, we'd never sat there before. It weren't like our season tickets and the guy uh, next to us, super cool, super nice guys. Like, Hey, yeah, yeah. You know, we've, we have season tickets here. We were talking, talking before the game, we were talking about like what jerseys we'd buy, you know, if we, if we could buy one that wasn't like Allen or Diggs. And we went through that. It was a fun, it was a fun conversation. And I have no idea what his political beliefs are you know, or where he aligns. I don't, don't have no idea about his religious beliefs, like none of that stuff. It didn't matter because in that moment, all we are, all we can connect with is, is our sports fandom. And that's all that mattered. And that was fun. And it was refreshing. And, you know, especially in, in an era where we live most of our lives kind of online, especially because of the pandemic, that it's nice to kind of get a personal touch and realize it's not all like that. It really isn't. And, just it's just good to have a reminder like that every once in a while. Yeah. Um, so you know that I live in Indiana and my wife does not understand Bill's Mafia, but she thinks it's weird when I wear my Bill's gear, which most of what I wear, my outerwear, jackets, hats, all Bill's gear. And I will run into a random Bill's fan that I've never met in Meyer parking lot. And he will make sure to chase over and shake my hand and say, go Bill's. Oh, and cool. when I go to Buffalo, I don't know anybody in Buffalo, um, but when I go to a game, you know, there's this, my, it's, she calls it my tribe because she, when she loses me in a store or something, she just looks for the blue jacket or the blue hat and she can find me. But when you go to Buffalo, <laughs> it's like, she's like, I can't find you. We were in the bill store and she's like, I couldn't find you. It's like, everyone's wearing blue, but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but it, you know, it's my tribe. And then, you, you know, the guy next to you is trying to high five you and, you know, when the bill score a touchdown and, um, you know, it's just, it's, it is sports in general, but I do think the mafia is just something a little bit more than that. Like it's weird and it's, it's got his ugly side too, but it's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. There's definitely something to be said of, of the, the type of community that there is, which I don't think every fan base necessarily has, and at least not to the, to the same extent, because, you know, in general, as people, as human beings, you know, we're kind of, uh, brought together, uh, emotionally, you know, and, and in, in relationships, uh, sometimes by grief, right? Like if, you know, the death of a loved one or, you know, whatever it can be, or like in this example, as a fan base, when your team doesn't make the playoffs for 17 years and you're the laughing stock of not only the NFL, but all four major sports, because, you get put on the, you know, the, uh, um, the screen, as far as the only, you know, the franchise with the longest, uh, postseason drought in all four major sports. But Nate, yeah. we're also have the longest in the hunt streak. 
<laughs> that's that is that true is that true we also i don't know it sounds good i made it up just now <laughs> we were we were what i remember from the drought isn't that we were in the hunt very often is that we were in the hunt of being in the hunt <laughs> you know <laughs> like we were we were off to the side like there were the teams that were in and there were teams that were in the hunt and the bills were like okay if everyone else loses and we win then you know, then we have a chance, then, then we can get it. It's like, it's like, I, I made this joke in our podcast, um, a few weeks ago. It's like, there's something about Mary in the very beginning when Ben Stiller is just kind of standing there, like the dorky teenage Ben Stiller, you know, with like zits and braces. He's like, uh, you know, he's asking that one girl if she'll go with him to prom. She's like, well, you know, this kind of, this guy was asked me. So, uh, so maybe, He's like, so like, is that a yes or a no? And he's, she's like, I thought I made myself perfectly clear. If everything else falls through, maybe, <laughs> you know. So, like that was like, the, if everything else happens, then then maybe the bills get in. You know, it was ridiculous. And and you know, it's funny is to to end the drought. That's essentially what had to happen, like that one season, right? So, it finally all broke for the bills after seventeen years. First of all, love the reference. You are the king of references and bills related memes. But man, the statistical, like something has to break for you eventually, right? Like every year it's like, nope, nope, nope. And then, you know, this, the Bengals decide to help us out, Tyler Boyd. And it's like, hey, mm -hmm. I kind of almost don't believe this. And of course we can't win or even score a touchdown. In the <laughs> this is in the playoffs, of course. <laughs> it wasn't our time to win. It was just our time to be in, right? So, but I mean, don't you agree about that? The idea of like suffering as a fan base, because like the, you either had two choices. If you were an existing bills fan going into the drought, you had two choices. Either you stopped paying attention to, uh, or you became another fan of another team or you stayed a bills fan throughout that. And I think there were a lot of people, not a lot, I wouldn't say the majority or anything, but there were a lot of people, a lot of fans that probably left for another fan base. Either they were too young to remember the Super Bowl years, or they just weren't a part of it. So like, you know, for the people that stuck around, the people that like were there when, uh, you know, people laughed at them for being a Bills fan 10, 12, 15 years into the drought, where those other people that were just, you know, brought up by family members and whatnot to be Bills fans. I mean, they, they stuck through it. And when it happened, I mean, that's finally a reason to be proud of your team. And now going into this era with, you know, we, now that we have our franchise quarterback, I mean, it's a great time to be a Bills fan. And I think, I think we do kind of get closer as a fan base because I think you get closer through trial and tribulation as opposed to just the good times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember during those times, I think it was show bulldog. Like they were putting stuff out, like the entire career of LaDainian Tomlinson and his hall of fame induction was part of the drought. Like there are kids <laughs> born that are now driving that were part of the drought. Like it's just a bunch of weird stats. Like somebody added up all the hang time for all the punts. And it was like an hour and a half of, of just punting footage of just the ball, you know, of during the drought. So, oh, wow. but yeah, I think having a, a bad, bad starts like that, certainly maybe fans like outside of Western New York, but I don't feel like Western New York ever gave an inch in that. And I'm not there. And, you know, I'm, I, I don't live in the area, so it's hard for me to really say, but it doesn't feel that way to me way out here. Yeah, no, you know, it's funny is uh, I live. Uh, so I live in the Rochester area, general Rochester area, which is, you know, about 60 minutes away from Buffalo. And so I only grew up knowing this and 
it's not been in the last few years that like people have embraced the bills. Like they, they've always kind of been bills fans. Like it's just, it's just not as common to see people wearing bills jackets or anything like that in, in Rochester. Really? Kind of, it really? No, I, I swear. Like it, you'll see them sure, but it's not to the point. Cause like when I go visit Buffalo for work or whatever, or I'm visiting a friend. Like, I mean, it's everywhere. Right. I mean, that is one of the biggest identities of the city. And here in Rochester, like it's only been the identity for the last few years when they've been good. Um, and like, you know, besides like some close friends, I know, I mean, sometimes you might not know that this is even like a bill city, <laughs> to be honest. Like it's, it's funny. I mean, training camp is held here, but, um, when, when it actually is held here and, you know, in a place that's other than, you know, Orchard Park and, and it's funny that you just, you wouldn't know sometimes. And I remember like kind of thinking that during the drought, like, well, it kind of sucks. Like if it wasn't for my friends that I grew up with or that I went to high school with, like, I wouldn't know like other Bills fans to hang out with, <laughs> you know, like they're mm. just not everywhere, which is kind of funny. So that is news to me. I didn't get that feeling. I feel like there's in our pocket of the mafia. I feel like there's a lot of content creators that are from Rochester. So oh, that's just interesting. I, I guess I had, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, what's funny is like my wife's, my wife kind of grew up a Bills fan, like, you know, like, a little bit of one, like she, that was her team, but she didn't really follow him that, that much. And then my brother-in-law is a big Bills fan, but my other brother-in-law is a Dolphins fan, like within the same household, you know? So, so get that, like that wouldn't happen in a Bills family's household in Buffalo. Like that would not be allowed to happen. You know, that would be a, a grounds for disowning your child for that. You know, uh, So <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's funny. It's funny how that works. And I, and I talked about this with people from Buffalo and people that have moved from Buffalo to Rochester, actually that same exact phenomenon with Rochester. Um, and I don't know if that's the same case with like Syracuse and stuff like that, but, um, yeah, in, in, uh, like, uh, like Kevin Masari, right. Um, he's, I believe he's from Buffalo, but he lives in Rochester area now. And, you know, he was mentioning that, yeah, he's noticed a lot of people are like Cowboys fans here or, you know, whatever, what other bandwagon there is, like maybe the Dolphins or whatever, you know, like the 49ers, like there's, there are bandwagon teams that were good when we were terrible. So <laughs> that's what they're fans of. Yeah. Yeah. When so, I was growing up in the Adirondacks, there were a lot more Giants fans than there were, of course, back then the Bills were still just trying to get to their first Super Bowls, but uh, there was a lot more Giants fans or, um, you know, Pittsburgh fans than there were Bills fans. And I don't know how I ended up in a Bills fan. I, I think I just picked them real early because my dad, my dad actually liked all of the quote New York teams mm -hmm. and I just liked the Bills the best. So I stuck with them. Nice. Nice. Well, it's funny. I mean, I guess in that area of the Adirondacks, would the Giants be considered closer in New Jersey or would it still be Buffalo? Oh, it's still Buffalo. Still Buffalo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's really interesting. And you know, um, I'll, I'll tell you this too, Vince, I, I don't think I've ever discussed this with you, but like the people in Buffalo, man, like, like even in Rochester, what I noticed, and, and this isn't to like hate on Rochester. I think Rochester is just a normal city. Like it's just like any other city for the most part, like people from Buffalo are just nicer. They're just, they're just, they just are like salt of the earth people. Like you can't describe it. Like, like I have a project or I have a job where sometimes I have to go into like people's places of work or whatever and go around them to do like, you know, to do some measurements or something like that. And like the people in Rochester, 
in most other places, not just Russia. They, they don't want anything to do with you. They don't want to acknowledge you. They don't want to talk like, like just, just let me know what you need and get out of my hair. Right. Like that's how most people are. People in Buffalo would be like, Oh, Hey, Oh, sorry. Am I in your way? Like, Oh, can I help you? Oh, how are you doing? You know, like that's, that is the mentality. That's just a small microcosm of, of what it is, but like too close remember, to Canada, <laughs> <laughs> too close to Canada. Exactly. I went to UB. So I went to university of Buffalo. I think part of the reason I went there is because I was such a big bills fan, but, um, like the people in Buffalo that I met and that I became friends with. And, you know, they're just super cool. Like not for nothing. The girls from Buffalo are pretty cool too. Like they're just like, like they're, they're awesome. <laughs> I just can't describe it. So um, it's just like a weird change between Rochester and Buffalo. And, uh, and I do enjoy Buffalo. I do enjoy visiting there. It's such a cool place to go. And the people there are, are super cool too, man. It's just, it's just a, it's just a funny place. Like uh, I'm glad you, I'm glad you get that feeling when you go there too, because that's not just how it is on like game day or whatever. Like that's legitimately how the people are like 365. Like that, they just, they're just cool people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm hoping to make it a, to a couple of games next year, Nate. So I'll let you know which ones yeah. that I, I yeah, please to. do. Because I mean, I only have time for like one or two games at this time at this point in my life. So, um, if, if I could, uh, meet you there or something or hang out with you, tailgate with you, absolutely. That would, that would be, that would be fun to do. Okay. Well, Nate, this has been one of the longer uh, mafia hot seats and man, it's always so fun. I, I always, always, always love our, my conversation with you and I enjoy your podcast. So, uh, why don't you plug your socials real quick? Oh yeah. Yeah. So we're at CTW pod, like at circling the wagons pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, everywhere. And in fact, like, so, so our podcast drops every Monday morning, early, early Monday morning, late Sunday night. And, um, we're doing a cool thing this week where we're going to do our wall of famers and wall of shamers segment on Twitter spaces for the first time. So, uh, as you can imagine, Vincent, I would love if you, if you, if you happen to be on or whatever at that point, it's probably going to be about 10 o'clock Eastern standard time. Um, if you're on that point, man, request a mic and I'll get you in because, uh, would love to hear your wall of fame and wall of shame. Um, who you would put, who or what you'd put on your wall of fame or wall of shame in that uh, win or loss? Because no matter what, you know, with the Bills Patriots game, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of people wanting to to give their thoughts and feelings on that game. If it's a win, it's going to be amazing. If it's a loss, it's going to be terrible. You know how it's going to be. So, um, so there, there, that's where you can find us uh, on all socials. And, and like I said, you know. Um, I got, I, I will have you on this off season. Cause I know, you know, your, your Derek Jeter Torres, you know, has a little bit of time left, but, uh, but you know, you still got to stick around in the content, uh, creator, uh, uh, area and marketplace or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and still be a part of it because you've been so gracious to have me on your pod. Uh, uh, was it three or four times now? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Nate. Again, thank you so much, man. I, I'm, I can't do a good show without great guests, and I'm always happy when you agree to talk to me. So thank you very much. It does mean a lot to the little guys like me when, you know, Nate from Circle in the Wagons, it's like talking to a celebrity over here. <laughs> <laughs> You're too nice to be. You're too nice to be, Bruce. No, absolutely. This is this is one of my most uh, my most fun discussions, and and I know, it's, I know it's one of the best because we've done over 30 minutes, and it felt like it was, you know, five minutes. So, All right. Nate. Oh, man, uh, we will we'll try to talk to you again here soon. 
Bill's Mafia, that's it. You have somehow made it through the end of another Buffalo in the Brain, and I keep saying, I don't know why you do this to yourself. This cannot be good for your mental health, but I appreciate it. Please be sure to check out all of the other great podcasts on this network as well. But special, special thank you to Justin for giving me his time every week. Justice, who I just, I always enjoy speaking with, and he's always available if I need him. And last but not least, Nate from Circling the Wagons uh, to lend me some of his time. I can't do a great show if I don't have great guests because I'm not that good at this. So until next week, Bill's Mafia, where we will be taking on the Atlanta Falcons and hopefully putting a nice bow on how we feel about this season. Putting the season to bed pretty much. Until then, please be kind to everybody around you. You do not know how many days left you have on this planet. Please have a great and safe New Year's with some people that you love. In the meantime, go Bills. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cryass. Here we are, I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. We're talking about our idiot podcaster who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So what has the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot podcast. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. <laughs> Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.